I'm doing a new series. It's called Hills and Valleys. And today, what I'm going to do for you is, I'm going to be for you, if you'd allow me, I'm going to be your, how would I say if I was, uh, I'm going to be your guru this morning, or your rabbi, or your father, your colleague, or your brother. And I'm going to share some things about hills and valleys on the journey of life. Hills and valleys. You know, if you're ever in the hospital and they put you on a machine, I believe, I can't remember the name of the machine, but it, it monitors your, your pulse, your heart rate. And, and basically that machine is telling the people in the room, including you, that you're still alive. And that machine has a graph and it's going like this, isn't it? The graph is going like this, like this, like this. And as long as that machine keeps going like this, you're alive. If the machine flatlines and goes like this, you're no longer alive. I reflected on that truth because I believe that there's truth in everything. And one of the signs of living are hills and valleys. Hills and valleys. Now notice this. The hill is not a destination. The valley is not a destination. So you will never always be on top. And you'll never always be in the valley. The real goal is learning how to survive, listen, the undulations of life. Knowing how to survive the hills and the valleys. You'll never get away from hills and valleys, even though you worship. You worship hard and you give God all. But life consists of hills and valleys. And hopefully through this series, there's three parts, I want to show you how to survive them. Next week, I'll share some of my own experiences, things that I've been through, things that I could have done better in the valley, things that I could have done better on top of the hills. But one thing I do know, I shall not die. Now, let's go. I want to show you something. I want to show this to you in the Word of God. It, there is a story in the book of Kings. It's during the days of the prophet, I believe, Elisha. And in the book of Kings, the, the king that's on the throne is King Ahab. He has an, a mortal adversary in the Syrian king named Ben-Hadad, the son of Hadad. Hates Israel, wants to fight Israel. So he sends his emissaries and he tells Ahab, he says, I want you to give me all the gold, the silver. I want your wives. I want your daughters. I want everything. And Ahab said, look at this man. This man is just trying to just strip me and rob me of everything I have. So the Syrians come out. They fight against Israel. And Israel wins the battle. The Syrians go away and they come again. And here's where this text picks up. I want you to watch these words. Look. And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said unto him, Go and strengthen yourself and mark and see what you do. For at the return of the year, the king of Syria is coming once more. Verse 23. And the servants, now we're in the Syrian camp. The servants of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods, the God of Israel, they're gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than us. But let us fight against them in the valleys. And surely 
we shall be stronger than them. And because God hears everything, even what your enemies say, look at what God says in verse number 28. And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hands, that you shall know that I am the Lord. Isn't that something? Because your enemy said he's not God when you're down. Like people will say when you're down, God's not God in your life. I want to talk to you about hills and valleys. I want to begin by talking to you about, well, here's, here's something that I want you to always put on your fridge. I needed this at one moment in my life. Psalm 118, verse 17. This is what David says. I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. Here's what I want you to do for me. This is part one. I want you to learn how to survive the hills and the valleys. So I'm going to show you some things that we can do to survive them because they're coming. No matter what you do, they are coming. Interestingly enough, in this room, there are people sitting in this room. Some of you are in the hills. Some of you are in the valleys. And the goal is learning how to survive them. Let's go. Can I talk to you about pain first? Before I talk to you about highs and lows. Pain. And I want to be clear to you. Pain is a part of life. On this side of the garden, because of things that we did not do but we have inherited, pain is a part of life. So what I'm really trying to say is, don't run from pain. You will never escape it in this life. Rather, we have to learn how to use pain to our advantage. It's a part of life. Let, let me show you what I mean. Pain, according to Genesis 3.16, is now a part of the world. When, when our forefathers, Adam, our foremother, if you would, the woman Eve, when they took, they disobeyed God, one of the things that, things that God said to the woman was, I'm going to greatly multiply your conception. And with the multiplication of your conception, I'm going to also multiply your sorrow. And in sorrow, you're going to give birth. Anything you're going to do from this point on, anything you're going to push out, it's going to require some pain. There's pain in serving the Lord. We have to know that. If you would be my disciple, you need to take up your cross. There's pain in serving the Lord. This is important to say that when the pain comes, you don't think there's something wrong with your salvation. There's pain in relationships. There's pain in marriages. There's pain in promotions when you're trying to climb ladders. There's pain in everything. When you're trying to become better at your craft, there's pain involved in all of that. Pain is inherent in this fallen world. And as long as we live, no matter how spiritual we become, it does not nullify the place of pain. So what are we going to do with this? Let's, let's move one step further. Pain is in every single process. Every process, because of the fall, there's pain in that. 
Job, when he looks at his life, he said, watch, man that is born of woman, few days, but they're full of trouble. Pain is in every process. I'm reminded of a story when I was in high school. I, I, I enjoyed sports a lot. In fact, the, the, my downfall was I enjoyed sports more than academics. And all I needed to do, now I'm older, I understand it. I just needed to balance both of them. Because both had their place. Sports had its place and academics had its place. But because I was perhaps with the wrong associations, I exalted uh, athletics and I pushed down academics. And later on, I realized the difficulties that that caused. But one of my favorite sports was basketball. I played that all through high school. Even when I went to Bible college, I still tried to do a little something out there. But one year when I was in high school, the track and field coach came to me and he said, would you want to run, would you like to run the 800 meter uh, race? I'd never run that before. I'd never done track and field before. And he, he said that because that year we were actually hosting at my high school our first invitational meet. And all the other areas, the long jump and 100, all, they had people, but they didn't have anyone for the 800 meters. said, so you play basketball, I've seen you do cross country, you, you can do the 800. Now the challenge with that was, he asked me and a friend of mine two weeks before the meet. And you know me, I said, well, I'm in coach, put me in, I'm ready to go. So for about two weeks, my friend and I, we, we just sort of quasi-trained for it. We ran around the track a few times. And, and of course, what we did, because we, very interesting in high school, we went out and got all the gear for it. So we had the spikes and everything, you know, the tights, and we were ready to run the 800 meters. So on the day of the track meet now, this is very interesting. All these schools have come, Cothra Park and Lorne Park, and all these schools have come from Mississauga all over Peel to run at the Bramley Invitational. And I'm out there with my friend, and I'm looking around trying to figure out what's the environment here. And I see guys going like this. So I, I said, okay. You know what I was doing by doing that? I was copying what I wasn't committed to. I want you to think about that. I was copying what I wasn't committed to. I was pretending about what I had endured no pain about. I had not gone through the process. I was just pretending. I was dressed up. I was playing the part without any pain. And so, of course, when the time came for the 800 meters, we lined up. You know, you don't need the blocks for that. You're just there like this. The guy's like this. Gun goes off. Brothers and sisters, within 30 seconds, I was dead last. <laughs> dead last. My friend and I were neck and neck for last. <laughs> because I thought that in the, you know, 800 is twice around, right? I thought, Pastor Roach, that you jogged the first lap. And then you accelerated the second. And those boys from Port Credit and from Lord, they just, and they started running the first lap. I was last. By the time the first lap finished, I realized we didn't stand a chance, my friend and I. We made a pact together because we had time to talk. <laughs> I said, why don't you and I, why don't we cross together last? Right? He said, okay. 
So he and I were just jogging, jogging, jogging. And when we got to about 40 meters out, he took off. <laughs> and I came at my own school in front of all my boys, dead last. Pain is in every process. You can only pretend so much. Can I show you something else? It's not the end of a process that's valuable. It's the pain inside the process that teaches you the cost of it. I want you to get that. People think it's the end. That's why today a lot of people see the end of something and want that. But it's the pain of the process that brings you to the awareness of how much it costs. And the value of a thing is in its cost. Pain is in every single process. Think this through when you say that you want to be successful or you want to go to this height or you want to do this or you want to stand on stages. Those things generally come as a result of pain. Full of trouble. Let's go one step further now. Watch. This is something I want everyone to understand. As you're going through your process, do not assume that everyone understands your pain. I have discovered this personally. There's probably no one on the planet that can truly understand your pain. They can say, yeah, I think I understand what you're going through. I, I lost my mom too, I know. But they'll never truly know how it feels. The only one that knows how it feels is the one who can be touched by the feelings of your infirmities. That's what you can talk to people about your pain, but you can't pray to them about it. You can only come boldly to the throne of grace, to the one who lives to make. I'm talking about Jesus. He's the only one that can truly. And the reason why this is important is when you think that people are going to understand your pain and they don't, you develop a victim's mentality. You do not need a victim's mentality. You need to simply come boldly to the throne of grace that you might find grace and mercy to help you in the time of your need. Don't expect everyone to understand and don't get upset when they don't understand your pain. They're not designed to understand your pain. You're asking them to understand something that's above their pay grade. I've discovered that in life. Your pain is really only understood by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I had Jen sing that song, Take It to the Lord in Prayer. Let's go one step further now, watch. If you can endure pain according to the Bible, if you can manage it well, the end process of the process, rather, is power. When pain has completed whatever process you're going through, it produces a measure of power. In Matthew 28, Jesus comes back up out of the grave, having gone through the most excruciating process, which is the cross. In fact, Gethsemane unto the cross. But these are the words in Matthew 28. He then turns to the disciples and he says, All power is given unto me. The word power there is the word authority. It means your process, when you manage it well, gives you an authority in that area. You can speak to that. 
that authority, listen, becomes now your testimony. You're not pretending you've actually walked that road before. You are an authority figure on that. It's interesting because uh, we all know the Psalms, right? There's 150 Psalms. Isn't this interesting? 150 of them. David is responsible for, writing a, responsible for writing a great deal of them. But the one Psalm that we remember deals with this. Everyone in this room, if I said Psalm 1, you might say, I think I know that one, Pastor. Blessed is the man that walketh not. If, if I said Psalm 8, you might say, I think I know that one, Pastor. Oh Lord, how excellent is thy name. But if I say Psalm 23, everyone in this room, even if you're not a believer, would say, the Lord is my shepherd. Isn't it interesting that the one psalm that we remember is the one that says, Yea, though I walk through the valley. When you come through your process, you become an authority in that area. No one can tell you whether or not God can keep you in that area. You're an authority on that. He has kept me in that area. Let's do one more thing before I, 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 I want to go to the highs and lows. But let's also look at this. When pain is finished in the scriptures, whether it's a process or its ultimate end, it forges divinity. I'll explain that. Job's process, and someone was talking to me this week about whether our decisions have consequence. I said yes, and they said, well, Job didn't make any decisions about that. But nonetheless, he goes through this excruciating process. And he, he, he says this to God, which is why I think we should read our Bibles and be honest with God. Sometimes when you're in the valley, you don't know where he is. Sometimes you think he has forgotten you. Sometimes you think he has stopped answering you. Job says, I look to the right. I can't see him. I'm looking to the left. I don't know where he is, but he knows the way that I take. And when he is finished, I shall come forth as... Gold. And gold in the Bible is always synonymous or symbolic of deity. It means we become more like God through our process. So people that are trying to say, I watch, oh, I want to be like Jesus, not without pain. I, I want to be just like the Lord, not without trial. Not without being tested in the crucible of life. God will try you. David says, he's refined me seven times like silver is refined. But when I come out, I'm going to be more like him. I find this, this is in my own life. I find that pain humbles you. I find hills make you haughty. Pain brings you right back down. You begin to talk to people with more empathy and compassion. And you're slower to talk about certain things because of the pain that you have walked through. It makes you more like God. No wonder James says, watch, counted all joy. Watch, when you fall into diverse temptations. Because it's doing something. It's working patience. Patience is working experience. Experience is working hope. And all of a sudden you find that you're entire, lacking and wanting nothing. But it came through pain. I thank God for the days that have been difficult. I thank God for the trials 
They didn't feel good, but I thank him for them. Some days I wanted them to end real quickly. And he set them on a clock. Number two, let's talk about highs and lows. We have these moments in our lives, highs and lows. These are the hills and the valleys. One of the things I meditated on this week was this. The human tendency of people, listen to this. I think it's interesting. The tendency of people is to stay with you when you're on the hill. Think about this for a minute. Most people will stay with you when you're successful. The tendency, number two, is to leave you when you're in the valley. Think about what I'm saying. Most people, I don't know why that is. Uh, Maybe it's because we want to be associated with success. We don't want to be associated with failure. But we stay with people when they're on the hill. When they fall into the valley, we leave them alone. We walk away from them. There's a mistake in doing that. Number one, if you stay with someone in the valley, you're going to learn lessons for your day when you're in the valley. But number two is even better. People are far more anointed in the valley, listen, than they are on the hill. I'm telling you, you need more power to survive the valley than you do to survive the hill. So it's really when people are at their lowest that you should walk with them because that's when they're demonstrating the greatest anointing. Christianity is actually seen best in the valley. Prove this to you. Most people have great praise on the hill. They've got to dig deep to find praise when they're in the valley. Am I talking right? Hand gets heavy when you're in the valley. Goes up when you're on the hill. But when you're in the valley, it's, it takes something to bless God in the valley, doesn't it? It takes something to have joy in the valley. Oh my, I'm, I'm coming at you. I, I told you I wanted to be your guru, but I feel like being T.D. Jakes just for a moment. I want to preach for a moment. It, it, it takes something to find worship when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It takes something, doesn't it, to want to come to service. It takes something even to find a smile. Your theology is challenged in the valley. Still believe that God is a good God. Every day has been dark. Mm. So I would, I would counsel you. I would say, stay with people in the valley. And not necessarily stay with them on the hill. There are not that many lessons to learn on the hill. But there's some very valuable lessons to learn in the valley. I'm going to show you a story. It's one of the greatest stories in the Bible. David is about, I'm going to make a guess, he's probably about 15, 16 years old. He's not qualified to go to war. His brothers have gone to war with Saul, who was king at that time. This is uh, 1 Samuel 17. This is the David and Goliath story. His father, Jesse, sends him down to the battle to bring lunch for his brothers, not to fight. Sends him down with bread, cheese, and things like that. And as he's entering the battle, he hears the voice of Goliath. And Goliath is yelling and cursing at the armies of Israel. And he's defiling the name of Yahweh, the God of Israel. And David is wondering, why isn't anyone doing anything about this? 
Why is he over this watch? This uncircumcised Philistine is defying the armies of God. He goes in. There, there's a mystery in the text. He goes into Saul and he says, well, is, is there no one that's going to fight? And Saul, he's not prepared to fight. David says, I'll go. Can I show you something about Saul's character? How do you take a 15-year-old boy and say, go ahead? Saul says, okay, here's my armor. Put this on. David puts on his armor, goes out, and he's, he's fumbling around. He says, I, I, I can't fight with these. I, I, I haven't proven the stuff you wear. Takes off the armor, watch this, and the Bible says he takes his shepherd bag and his slingshot, and he goes down to the brook. This is important. The word brook there is, is a Hebrew word. It, it can mean something that's flowing with water. But in its Arabic form, it's the word wadi, which means a low place. I want you to see what the text is actually showing you. And what he does is he goes down to the valley to get a weapon to fight the giant. Are you following what I'm saying? In, in other words, your best weapons are found in valleys. I want you to hear this. Watch this. Low places provide us with the best stones. You see, what happens is after you've gone through the valley, there isn't anything the devil can do to you because you've already been there and you've already done that. Wadis provide the best weapons. Takes a stone out of the low places. What you're missing in those valleys is that God is giving you ammunition. In the low places. You're spending time complaining. God's not asking you to complain. He's actually providing you something to use against the enemy when he comes against you. And you know the rest of the story. He takes the stones out and you know what he does with the weapons that he gathers from the low places. The enemy can't do anything after you've gone through a few valleys in your life seen that coming, know what he's going to do. It doesn't work. I feel God in the room. Watch. Low places also foreshadow your highest places. What I've learned in the Bible is the lower you go in life, it's the higher God's going to throw you up. That's what I've learned. He does not leave you in low places. He puts you down there for a season. So that he might have a reason to exalt you. I feel God now. I feel him now. Who being in the form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. And being found in the fashion of a man. He humbled himself unto death. Even unto the obedience of a cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him. The lower you are willing to go. It's the higher God can throw you you don't worry about people walking over you. It's just for a moment. You say, I'm not going to let anybody walk over me. Let them walk over you. It's actually a launch pad for how high God can throw you. He went as low as you can get for God to make him as high. Give him a name that's above every name. That whatever was walking on him in the valley now has to bow to him. Yes. Prisons do point to palaces. Ask Joseph. 
I read this story carefully. Prisons do point you to palaces. If you have the right perspective, they do. You're not far from the palace. The enemy will get you to believe that hope should be thrown out the door because you've spent a season in the valley. God will tell you, no, I've actually refined you and prepared you for the hill by the process of the valley. It's all how you look at it. It's all how we approach it. That's all it is. Because life is a series of ups and downs, peaks and valleys. Low places are bridges to high places. I'm almost home. I need to, I need to read the scripture for you. I, I want to read this. This is in the book of Habakkuk. When the prophet says all these dismal things to God. Though the vine and there's no calf and the fig tree. Watch. I'll read them for you. Habakkuk chapter 3. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the, on the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there's going to be no herd in the stall. That's a bad day. What are we going to do? Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation watch this ready for this the lord god is my strength and he will make my feet like hind's feet and he will make us to walk upon our high places now here's the key i want to send this over to the chief singer on my string instruments in other words i need someone to join me in my worship when i understand what god is doing and how he's using my low place as a bridge to my high place, I need a partner to praise God with me. Don't hang around people that are going to moan and complain in the low place. Find some people that even though they're walking through low places, they still maintain their praise unto God and partner with them and say, you're going through too, and I'm going through too, but let's see if we can join our worship together until God brings us out. Give it over to the chief musician. I'm actually showing you how to manage the valley, how to confuse the enemy. Oh my God, because what he wants to do, I feel I hear you, Holy Ghost. What he wants to do is he wants you to die. He wants you to entertain thoughts of killing yourself. He wants you to quit on God. He wants you to stop coming to service. I want you to confuse him. When he thinks you're down, open your mouth. Tell God, I shall not die. Woo! But I shall live. That's how you confuse the enemy. That's how you confuse. We are, can I show you something? We are too predictable. Too predictable. He throws something at you. A financial problem, a relational problem, a physiological problem. And immediately we go into mope zone. We're too predictable. No, no, no. Come at him a different way. When the doctor tells you something, go at it a different way. Say, ah, thank God for that. Thank God for that, because if I didn't have a problem, I wouldn't know that God can solve them. That's how you confuse the enemy. 
Yes, I feel it. I'm, it's going to settle in your spirit. It's going to settle in your spirit. It might not even make any sense to you. You might even feel like you're pretending. And people say, why are you doing that? I'm only doing what my faith tells me to do. Because there's nothing else I can do. I, I, I can't heal myself. I, I can't rob a bank. I can't change this decision. I might as well do what I can do. And what I can do is I will bless the Lord. Talk to me, somebody. I control my praise. I control it. Woo. Oh. Yes. I control that. The devil doesn't control that. I control my praise. He has no authority over my worship. I control my worship. And since I control my worship, I might as well give God. Oh. Yes. Turn it around. Oh. You feel it right. Whatever you're going through, it might not change right now, but your praise will change you, change your perspective, change your ideas. Oh. Thank you, gentlemen. Sit for a second because I want to get you out. Did you hear what I just said in spite of all the noise? It might not change right away, but your praise will change you. It will change your perspective on it. Never done that before? Never faced a wall and began to worship God? And the wall was still there, but you didn't care? Because you got up from your praise saying, I will leap over a wall, run through a troop. And that's how you come at it from a different perspective. Yes, and remember, I told you this. The valley is not a destination. It's a moment that you're passing through. Yes. What I'm asking God, I hear you, is now from this point on, until you either return or you take me forward, give me an A in every valley. I want to pass every valley. Don't fail in the valley. Some valleys are repeated because God gives you an F because of your attitude in the valley. <laughs> Can I make a bold statement? There isn't a valley that comes in the believer's way that's designed to kill you. There isn't one that come, that's designed. It's designed to bring you through onto something else. Let's strive for A's in every valley. And then when you finish the valley, what happens is God throws you in a high place. Do you know why he puts you up there? He's giving you shoulders for people to stand on. So that when you're up there, you put somebody on your shoulders and they say, greater works than these. We can do because you've gone through that. I'm standing on your shoulders. I can make it. People need it. Maybe next Sunday I'll talk to you deeply, not in, in some sort of you know, superficial way. I'll talk to you. I'll share my testimony. Jump online. I'll share, I'll share the lowest places in my life. 
I share what people said about those low places. Because one of the worst things is when you're in a low place and people laugh at you in the low place. Because what you really want, this is what you want. You're, as a human being, you want empathy in the low places. What you want to hear is somebody saying, praying for you, pastor, not good for you. <laughs> we'll talk about all of those things, but God gives us shoulders. Here's the conclusion, then we're going home. I want to give you three keys to surviving the worst moments. Three keys, and they're so simple. I should have brought my phone out here. Last week when I went away, I was thinking, did I, did I minister? Did it connect? And I got a message through someone from a young lady watching at home. Maybe in her 20s, young, young person, you know, striving. And the message went something like this. I was going to turn off the broadcast when Pastor Miko said, I should know what I'm called to do. So the person said I got emotional because I was going to turn it off because I didn't know what I'm supposed to do. And I still don't know what God wants me to do. But when pastor began to say, be polite, come on time. The person said, thank you for those simple things that I can do while I'm waiting to find out what God would have me do. Listen, listen, listen. I'm discovering, you can say whatever you want about it. I'm discovering that in simple truths are the greatest revelations. We have danced over stuff that we are not even intending to do. Listen, historically. Or we've danced over stuff that didn't mean anything once we walked out the door. It was a euphoric moment that entertained us. And that's called inspiration. But inspiration without education, it's like the fog. And the minute the sun gets hot, it dissipates and we don't know what to do. So don't take these things. They may sound silly. They may sound simple. See, Pastor, you need to be more deep. I'm, I'm as deep as I'm going to be. What I tell you, number one, watch. Remain positive. Did you hear what I just said? It doesn't matter what the day throws at you. Remain positive. What am I trying to say? Don't fall below your hope threshold. Why art thou disquieted within me, O oh my soul? Why art thou cast down? Listen, hope thou in God don't throw away the possibility that God is going to bring me out of this lift up your head don't go into a corner and say why me don't do that don't do woe is me don't do no one knows the trouble I have don't do that say I will hope in God I'll give you scriptures this too shall it's just a matter of time so what am I supposed to just keep walking put one foot in front of the other and just keep going forward and sometimes go like this press in go forward just remain positive people I, I write emails like this I, I don't agree with certain things it's maybe Pastor Mikkel's idiosyncratic ways but I never send a text message or an email without wishing someone well I don't do these emails where people just start talking to each other say did you get my email nope Watch, grace to you. Trust that you are well and in the best of health. That's how you speak to people. Because what you're doing is you're injecting hope in them. Does it take a little bit more to type? Yes, it does. But there's no amount of time that you can put on hope. When they ask me, how am I doing? All is well. And I pray the best for you. 
Does that mean that every day is like that? No. But what I'm doing is I'm living above my hope threshold. Don't fall below it. When they ask you, well, all is well, say, no, it's just a terrible day. You don't know what's going on. Pray for me. You're moving below your hope threshold. You really are. Number two, ready? Remain focused. Don't lose your focus because of the valley. God has not forgotten what he called you to do. Or else he wouldn't have called you to do it. The valley should sharpen your focus. So just before Joshua goes through the Jordan and into the land, God reminds him, set this book of the law in your mouth. Look not to the right nor to the left. That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Keep your focus. Don't be distracted because of trouble. And that's interesting, you know. In other words, get up, wash your face, and go to work. Don't. I, I've had moments like these where honestly, I felt like, I, I don't know I, if, if this was you, I felt like pulling the cover right back up over my head and sliding even further under. Take it off. Go take a shower. See, I got some things to do today. God's expecting me to do some things today. Now what are you doing? You're walking by grace. Not in your own strength, but in his strength. Lastly, and then we're home today. Ready? Remain balanced. Don't tip to extremes. Don't go over here. Every day you're just crying. Stop crying. That's imbalance. Come back to the center. That's, that's the key. The word is tekel. Don't be weighed in the balance and found wanting. Bring balance back to your life. If you used to jog before the valley, go back and jog. If you used to do certain things before the valley, go back because what you're doing is you're bringing yourself right back in the center and balance is how you stand up. And the enemy wants you to tip over here and be found imbalanced so that he can further mutilate and destroy us. We refuse to die today. We refuse. Listen to this. Our God is a God of the hills and he's a God of the valleys. We know that to be true. I need you to rise on your feet. Watch if you've made a decision to survive and that's what we're going to do we're going to survive it we're going to survive it whatever it is survive it I'll empower you next week we become a ministry now where people talk about their real testimonies when I was in uh, former ministries people would get up and Pastor Roach they would say what's their testimony and the lady would say uh uh, song 150 uh, across the bridge. I said, that can't be your testimony. That's a song from the songbook. No, that, that's not funny. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And so because people don't tell us what they go through, we have nothing to overcome and apply the blood to. Thus, thus our ministries are filled with shame because everyone is hiding what they've really gone through but listen the person next to you needs to know that you are thinking about killing yourself because the enemy is pushing them there 
And when they hear you boldly stand up in the congregation and say, I was thinking about this, but God stepped in and brought me out. Listen, we overcome by the word of our and the blood of the Lamb. Share them. Share your testimonies. You're hiding the wrong thing. Pretending like you brought yourself here. And you're only here by the grace of God. Hmm? You know what a friend of mine told me? He's a, he's a judge. Pretty high up. He said, we were talking one day. He said, most people don't know that they're just one decision away from death or jail. I said, that's true, you know. So you know, every time I'm in my house, I'll be carrying, let's say, something up the stairs, and I'll stub my toe, or I'll bang it. I said, my God, I'm just really, when I think about it, one decision away, one mishap away from falling down, breaking my doing this, running it. Share the testimonies. Don't be ashamed of them. I'm going to help you next week. Because everyone in this room needs to survive them. Lastly, and then we'll go home. And when you, when you share them, watch, it doesn't make you less of what God's called you to do. So you're a pastor, and you, yes. You mean you are, and you, yes. That's what people need to know. So they'll say, well, if he's dealing with that, but we will survive. Take your hands, brothers and sisters, and just raise them up to God. This week, Jenna, you come in. Thank you. This week, remain positive. If you get a phone call when you walk out of here, just keep worshiping. We'll be back here in seven days by the grace of God. Remain positive. Stay balanced. And keep your focus. God's working out something glorious in your life. Stretch your hands up to heaven. The body of Christ will survive. To the end in Jesus' name. I pray over you this week that God would spread his hand over your life. Whether you're on the hill or you're in the valley. Angels would walk with you, and you would know that the angel of the Lord encampeth round about you, that you wouldn't even dash your foot against a stone. The Lord keep you in your going out and in your coming in. And the Lord calls his praise to forever be in your mouth. In Jesus' name. Would you shout amen? And amen.